0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe.
0: This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online and Play Action Pools. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron and start of the new football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season get all the updated odds, props and contests including online's biggest half million dollar NFL Mega Contest, the world's largest 200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. And make sure you head over to the website or use the mobile device and sign up today for 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo, make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager is refunded up to $25, 100% for new customers only by signing up using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. And exciting news our podcast is partnering with playactionpools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sports we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action. With our playactionpools.com football pick 'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works sign up on our contest, Believe Football Pick 'em, at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football, and whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest Believe, B-L-E-A-V, Believe Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as cool sportsbook style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. What up, TCK Podders? Welcome back to the program. This is episode 450 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, aka T C K Pod. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined by my man Jordan Della Valley. Today we are breaking down the week one game recaps. Going to go through each game from week one, break it down from you, and give you the final scores and also some of the biggest stories from each game. And then we're also going to look ahead to week two and give you what to watch for moving forward. If you have not already, please make sure to subscribe to both Jordan and I on Twitter at our names, Sky Guasco and Jay Della Valley 7 on Twitter as well. And of course, make sure to follow TCK and the Fantasy Focus community on all streaming platforms and make sure to subscribe right here to the channel. Hit that bell and make sure to follow us after the fact on the podcast networks anywhere you listen to your podcast via Believe Podcast Networks. And make sure to tune in on Sunday morning. Every single Sunday morning, we are bringing you three hours of start sit content from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the Eastern Time, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. West Coast Time, streaming live on the Fantasy Focused YouTube page. Make sure to subscribe, hit the bell, and be with us Sunday morning for three hours of start sit content. All right, Jordan, we got week one, man. Week one in the books. It was a crazy one. We started off super hot with. Obviously, the Buccaneers and the Cowboys, incredible game there on Thursday night, coming down to the wire. Great slate of action, in my opinion, for the most part, on Sunday. And then Sunday night, of course, the debut of Matt Stafford and the new look Rams. And then we get a little bit of Justin Fields as well. And then Monday night, an absolute thriller with the Raiders and Ravens. Before we dive into all the games here, what's maybe one single takeaway uh, from any game, any team, any player from week one for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, it's going to be uh, Eagles related, but uh, I told you in our in our bold prediction and crazy calls episode that Jalen Hurts could be the, the QB one um, goes out there obviously has a good matchup against Atlanta but um, looked really good. Um, so not only excited as a fan uh, for Jalen Hurts this season, but also from a fantasy perspective, uh, seeing what he can do throughout the rest of the season against the uh, you know, probably, probably tougher defensive matchups, um, but still, you know, like the rushing floor that he showed, the the pocket presence, the you know, his connection with Devonta Smith looked great. Um, so that, that was my biggest takeaway. How about you?
0: Absolutely, first reception in the NFL, a touchdown yep. there for Devonta Smith, and led the team in targets and everything. So he looks like the real deal. Of course. And we had you know a bunch of rookie receivers and rookies in general put in work. For me, I mean, it's it's kind of cliche at this point after the weekend of, of it being the main talk, but it was just how poorly the Packers looked as a team. Uh, I do not think this sticks around. I think that there's a perfect get-right game this Monday night with the Packers and the Lions. We just saw the 49ers put up 30 on the Lions and then basically pull – most of their starters, at least on defense, after Jason Verrett went down with an ACL tear. Mostert is out for the season as well. So they started getting the uh, starters out up, you know, three scores. And the Lions made a run at the end there, but it was basically preseason backups at that point. So the Niners looked really good, but the Packers, unfortunately, man, just Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, nobody looked on the same page there. I think they get right, and they overlooked the Saints. They come back here against uh, the Lions on Monday night and look just fine. So if you haven't yet put in your uh, trade offers for the Packers, I think you're going to run out of time because I do think they get they get good here in a hurry. All right, Fragger tuning in early. Go Browns. Brownies, man, had an opportunity once again to take down the Chiefs. They're so far 0-2 in the last couple weeks here. The last two games for the Browns have been thrillers against the Chiefs. They've had big leads. But Patrick Mahomes is 9-2 and two in his career with a double-digit deficit. <laughs> the dude is absolutely phenomenal. So you, you get him down, you got you to gotta keep him down. All right, man, let's jump in here. We got the week one game recaps. We're going to go through each one of the games, spend a few minutes on each, and then we'll get into kind of a few things as well on what to look for for each matchup team and uh, moving forward here into week two. Now, of course, on Thursday, we'll have the game previews for Week 2, so tune in on that as well live, and then Friday that drops on the podcast as well. All right, let's jump into it here. Let's go right off the bat here. We're dialing it back to Thursday, and I know we're kind of after the fact because we don't recap it on Friday necessarily, but just quickly, Cowboys, Buccaneers, 31-29. Bucks get the last-minute W there. Dax first game back after injury, four hundred and three touchdowns. Amari Cooper, 13 receptions, 139 and two. CeeDee Lamb, seven receptions, 104 and a touchdown. Amari Cooper, 16 targets. CeeDee Lamb, 15 targets. These guys are obviously going to get fed. Zeke, minimal impact, but he did play 83% of the snaps. What he didn't do in fantasy football, he did excellently for the actual Dallas Cowboys, which was staying into pass block, which I know nobody cares about in fantasy, but for NFL and for Team usage, snap percentage being on the field, very important for Zeke there. So it wasn't like they weren't, he wasn't on the field. It was just that they weren't using him in the pass game. Brady, 379 and four. My man, my man looks just fine. Uh, Buccaneers turned the ball over four times. The Cowboys still couldn't get the W. And my man, Michael Gallup, unfortunately, ends up on IR as well. Ronald Jones effectively benched. Gio Bernard not used till the end of the game. Leonard Fournette somewhat ineffective as well. Antonio Brown, a great game. Chris Godwin, 14 targets. Mike Evans, not really effective as uh, either though. So a lot of names, huge fantasy value in this game. A lot of guys went up. You went up quickly on your opponents and a lot of people fell behind early on your opponents there. What are some of your takeaways and what's to look forward for in week two for the Bucks and the Cowboys?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, this is this game pretty much is what I expected it to be. Uh, Cowboys' defense is is pretty weak in the past game. Um, Buccaneers' defense obviously is pretty stout in the run. D didn't expect um, Zeke to have a great game from a fantasy perspective. Um, so you know, potentially could be a buy low opportunity here, but um, for the most part, this is what I expected. A lot of um, Lamb and Cooper from the Cowboys. I think the biggest thing uh, too is that the, the Blake. Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz, um, takeaway here is they seem to be splitting those tight end duties. No one really running away as the far and away tight end one, which is a, you know, was expected to be Blake Jarwin last year. Dalton Schultz proved to be, you know, fantasy relevant in that position last year. Um, and now the question is, are we really going to be able to have uh, any fantasy reliance on either one of those two tight ends if they're splitting that, that role?
0: Right. Last year in those five games that Dak was in before he went down, Dalton Schultz, because it wasn't Blake Jarwin. Yep. Dalton Schultz was a tight end 11, even with everybody else eating in that offense. Yep. So this should be just fine. And look, we're not talking much about Tony Pollard, but he is obviously being used. And if anything were to happen to Zeke, Tony Pollard's the man. He is definitely worth a stash on your benches. He's drafted in almost every league. He's definitely on dynasty rosters, but while you're scouring through in week one, it's just as important to look at who got dropped as it is to who got picked up. And we have a comment here uh, from Fragger tunes in, for some reason somebody dropped Chris Godwin before the week and he picked him up, right, before week one and obviously goes out for 14 targets. So keep an eye on that. SJ, you have a quick start sit. We're going to get to this one, but the rest of them we're going to wait until Sunday here. Quickly, Jordan, before we move on here, Tyson Williams, or Kenny Galladay flex PPR?
1: Yeah, I mean, based off of what I saw from week one, it's got to be Tyson Williams. I mean, I think he was involved in the past game. Off the top of my head, I think he had four, four or five targets. Um, obviously, is going to be essentially that J.K. Dobbins role, it seems like Latavius Murray filling in more as uh, the Gus Edwards. Sharon Lamar um, or Latavius could be stealing some of that goal line work from Tyson Williams, but we've seen the Baltimore offense have a lot of rushing opportunity. Uh, week in and week out. Um, So I'll take the opportunity in the volume there with Tyson Williams um, over Kenny Galladay, who seemed to be actually, I think he was out targeted by both uh, uh, Slayton and Shepard last week against the Broncos.
0: Yep, Slayton with a great early... Uh, catch down the sideline, and, and Sterling Shepard, easily the best Giants yeah. player overall. Tyson Williams, four uncharacteristic targets out of the backfield. You love to see that as well, but Latavius Murray, obviously a factor. We will get to the Ravens recap and Giants recap as we go along here. Once again, check us out Sunday morning for all your start-sit needs. All right, let's move on here. Next game up, your Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons, 32-6. to six. Philly taking it to Atlanta. Obviously, this is a big one for you as an Eagles fan here, uh, but Atlanta, unfortunately, just looked poor. I don't know if it's new coaching, a new system, no Julio Jones, Mike Davis not knowing how to use Kyle Pitts, whatever it is, rough sledding early for the Falcons there. Jalen Hurts, 264-3, and which is a massive showing for him. Obviously, a lot of doubters coming in, and obviously you, my man, just a couple weeks ago with our bold predictions of crazy calls, Had a crazy call that he would be the number one fantasy football quarterback. It's going to be tough to get past Kyler Murray, but a great first showing there. Uh, Devontae Smith, rookie out of Alabama, first round pick, six catches, 71 yards and a touchdown. And then again, the Falcons, man, Mike Davis didn't get it done. Kyle Pitts didn't get it done. Calvin Ridley, for Calvin Ridley standards, wasn't anywhere to be seen. Matt Ryan just looked lost and holding the ball too long, and and the Falcons just look poor. Again, I think them as an offense get better moving forward. Um, But Matt Ryan, man, this unfortunately is a trend that has gone for years without Julio Jones in the lineup, one way or another. Matt Ryan has not produced for NFL or for fantasy football, and now it's not like Julio's on the sideline waiting to come back. He's gone out of Atlanta. It's just a long-term issue with the Falcons, and obviously you're stoked on the Eagles. Do you think they can keep it up as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, I want to take this away and say, oh, the Eagles look great, look like a Super Bowl contender, could run away with the division. Um, Unfortunately, I don't really know if that's the case. Uh, The Falcons have arguably one of the worst offensive lines in the league. That paired with um, Fletcher Cox and the rest of the defensive line for the Eagles was, I think, you know, obviously had the biggest impact on uh, Ryan's performance, therefore Ridley's, therefore Pitt's. I do think that this could potentially be a trend for Matt Ryan, like you mentioned. Without Julio Jones, how how do they look under Arthur Smith uh, running that offense? But for the most part, I'm not too worried yet. You know, pressing the panic button on Ridley or Pitts. Honestly, I was a little low on Pitts heading into the draft season because of his cost. Um, but he was targeted, you know, eight times. Uh, obviously, didn't reel them all in for catches. Uh, ended with a pretty underwhelming uh, line for the most part, but. Is getting twenty four percent of Matt Ryan's targets in you know only week one of the season, but if he's keeping up that pace, that's what you look for in a fantasy tight end, right? You need someone who has a large slice of the pie. Darren Waller, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, TJ um, Hawkinson. Oh my crush. God! Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so I'm I'm not too worried from a fantasy perspective of you know Ridley or Pitts. Outside of those two for Atlanta, though, I'm not high on Matt Ryan. I'm not high on Mike Davis. Um, outside of those two I mean Russell gage had one target no catches I mean I, that was a name that uh, I think on our last week's episode I brought up as a, a last minute ad because of how poor the eagles da- the Eagle's past defense has proven to be. Um, Slayton or uh, Darius Slay sorry uh, showed up and you know pretty much shut down anyone he was covering last week um, and I, but I think most of that was also because of that the minimal time that Matt Ryan had so Things are looking up for the Eagles, um, but I don't expect it. I think it was just a a poor combo for the Atlanta offense this week.
0: I agree. And it could just be week one jitters. Again, I mean, they have a new head coach, right, in Arthur Smith, a new scheme. And they're not going to throw the ball 650 times like the Falcons have been, have been doing under Dirk Cutter and others over the last couple of years back to Shanahan. Um, it might be more of a Titans offense, which eventually should be more efficient, still moving the ball. But I'm a big Calvin Ridley guy, right? I drafted him in the second round of a lot of leagues. Uh, Nervous uh, on week one, but, you know, my panic button's on yellow for now. Uh, But uh, not looking good. Hopefully it doesn't get to orange and then red moving forward over the next couple weeks. Okay, let's move on here. This one was uh, just a good old school football game. It was not a 2021 Era football game of just launching it and scoring a bunch of points but this was just an old school two great teams two great defenses two very good offenses as well great coaching staffs up and down the board the Steelers and the Bills the Steelers get the upset up in Buffalo I think an upset with the Bills at home 23 16 and at halftime there was pretty much no scoring in this game at all there Josh Allen never really got into a groove 270 and a touchdown Najee Harris 17 total touches, which is a bit uh, alarming. We expect 2025, but he literally played every single offensive snap. Literally didn't come off the field on offense. That's huge, right? He ran a ton of routes. He was only targeted one time. I think that changes as well. I had mentioned he was one of my he was one one of my guys, one of my gamers this year, right? Because the history tells me with Mike Tomlin in that offense, back to Le'Veon Bell, Damian. Uh, uh, D'Angelo Williams, excuse me, D'Angelo Williams, even James Conner, they're going to use one back, and they're going to pass to him. I think that will happen. The Bills have great you know, defensive linemen. They have great linebackers, and maybe that just wasn't an option. Also, they have Juju and the tight ends over the middle. So we'll see what happens, but I'm fine with Najee Harris. Zach Moss, healthy scratch. (laughs) Not looking good. Bobby's been a Zach Moss guy all summer long. Obviously not crazy on him, but a guy to use. Devin Singletary came in. He was okay, but again, the Bills, just not a running team. Steelers' defense, absolutely fantastic. They're going to be a must-use every week in fantasy. Steelers get a big win here, man. It wasn't pretty, but uh, like Mike Tomlin said after the game, doesn't matter how you get the Ws, you just get the W. I think the Bills are going to be great moving forward. These are both excellent teams. But in my opinion, coming off of 11-0 last year and then losing down the stretch, the Steelers put a bad taste in people's mouth out there in Pennsylvania, and I think that now – this was a great statement game in the AFC for the Steelers to come out, make it ugly, but get the W on the road in Buffalo. Are the Steelers the Steelers good to go here? And are you worried about the Buffalo Bills, or is this just kind of a one team's got to win, one team's got to lose?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a one team's got to win, one team's got to lose. I think both of these teams are, are going to be great throughout the rest of the season. Um, honestly, would – the Steelers with the Ravens in their division, but would expect both of them to be at the top of their division, if not winning it, you know, right behind a a game or two, maybe. Um, So I think this is mostly one team's got to win, one team's got to lose. One of the things that key takeaways for me, you mentioned the Zach Moss healthy scratch. Devin Singletary on pretty minimal touches, like a little less than 14, I think, uh, or yeah, 14 touches, uh, 72 yards on the ground against a, a great Steelers run D. And then had five, five targets in the passing game, which for a lot of people that were avoiding, you know, the, the Bills backfield out of, uh, out of the draft, myself included. I you was. Me to raise your hand, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to, but if Zach Moss is going to be a non-factor, that A, takes away the ambiguity that everyone thought there was going to be of, well, who gets the goal line touches. Devin Singletary is only the between the 20s guy. None of them are involved in the pass game. I mean, for where you got Devin Singletary to have 70 yards against the Steelers defense and then three catches on top of that, it is fantastic.
0: I totally agree. And, again, even if Devin Singletary somehow the Bills mix it up and now it's a Zach Moss, not a Singletary, if we get one single back or at least a primary back in Buffalo, they're still the backup. I think the number two to, to Josh Allen. But, um, again, this is just great, great teams. Last year the secondary for the Steelers was – you know, beatable, um, but they came out and played very well, and uh, the reality is these are two of the best coaching staffs in the league. Ben had enough to get done. The defenses were absolutely excellent, and I expect to see these guys playing again in January at some point, so this would be a great game to follow up. All right, let's get into the Vikings and the not-so-bungles. Vikings had the lead for a little bit. The Bengals come back. They end up going to overtime. The Bengals get a uh time expiring field goal from their rookie kicker nonetheless 27 24 the not so bungles getting it done joe burrow and company huge win and again the vikings man they seem to do this every single season last year they started zero five they seem to do this every year where they come out slow come out slow and then they run off like six games seven games in a row but it's almost too late right like they're a great team i did good coaching i'm not quite sure why they can't pull these games out but seems to be an an early season trend for Kirk Cousins over his entire career and the Vikings over the last couple of seasons Jamar Chase another rookie wide receiver of course out of LSU five receptions 101 yards and a touchdown he was the number one wide receiver on the team not my boy T Hagee and certainly not Tyler Boyd unfortunately who was Bobby's guy Joe Mixon huge workload 33 Total touches, 150 yards and a touchdown. We get this from Joe Mixon, man. He's going to be top six running back uh, on the season. We'll see if that keeps up. It did last year before he got hurt. We'll see if he keeps up. Adam Thielen, nine receptions, 92 yards and two touchdowns. Again, I kept saying it like, yes, 14 touchdowns is a lot. That is hard to sustain. But first of all, he's on pace to (laughs) demolish that after one week. But secondly, like I kept mentioning, in the red zone, Kirk Cousins trusts Adam Thielen. Not that he doesn't trust Justin Jefferson or somebody else, but if it's not Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen's the guy that's been proven. He's older, right? But he's very shifty off the line, gets open constantly. The separation for him is unbelievable in short-yarded situations. He is a red zone monster. 13 touchdowns last year in the red zone, two this year already. Adam Thielen, I don't think he's a buy low anymore because he produced, but if people are worried about him, I'm absolutely willing to go get Adam Thielen as a wide receiver two or three. And then can Kirk Cousins be a single quarterback league streamer? Obviously, based on matchup, anybody could really. But again, they get the loss. And we know about Dalvin Cook, who ended up getting Justin Jefferson's touchdown, in my opinion. But, you know, Kirk Cousins is getting it done. And we mentioned he was very good against man coverage. So if you streamed him, you were happy about that. How do you feel about the Vikings and the Bengals? Both teams looking to bounce back from pretty disappointing seasons last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to build off of that, Kirk Cousins, I I think he warrants at least a look in your your single quarterback uh, league. I mean, hypothetically, if you're a late round QB guy and you had Fitzpatrick, um, obviously you're you're in need of a new quarterback now. Uh, if Kirk's available, I I would be very safe with or very comfortable with him in a one quarterback league. Um, I think he's probably at the the bottom of where I'm safe in terms of. Uh, feeling comfortable and not having to quote unquote stream, I would, you know, obviously in a tough matchup, I'd want to bench Kirk. Um, but even any average or, or obviously a plus matchup for him, I'd, I'd feel comfortable starting him in a one quarterback league or as my right. my second in a super flex.
0: Yeah, I agree. And as a number two, number three in a super flex two QB league, uh, you're feeling pretty good. And look, Kirk, he's good for two or three games a year where he's 404 and he's got two incredible wide receivers plus Dalvin Cook, of course, right. there. All right, let's move on here to my Niners who do get the W, but it was a bit ugly. And unfortunately, again, they lose Raheem Mostert for the season. It was, it was, it was gonna be six weeks with knee cartilage issue. They were gonna go in and clean it out, and it was six weeks for about 12 hours. And then he came out and basically yeah. broke the news himself that it was season ending, which is just so sad for the guy. Journeyman running back, finally got a chance, exploded two years ago, got the starting opportunity last year, dominated when healthy, got hurt, came back again, two carries, 20 yards. The dude was on his way to an incredible day and season. I've been backing him. I drafted him in almost every one of my leagues in the fifth, sixth round. He goes down, unfortunately, out for the season. 41-33, the Niners still get the win. As I mentioned earlier, they pulled most of their, you know, bonafide starters on defense in the second half and the fourth quarter so I wouldn't be as excited about the Lions nor as disappointed in the 49ers for letting them come back because it just wasn't that if you watched the entire game Jimmy Garoppolo came in started obviously but Trey Lance got some work through a touchdown and then of course Elijah Mitchell comes in as a sixth round rookie steps in for Raheem Mostert when he goes down because Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch this game was insane Brandon Ayuk was basically not utilized. He was behind Trent Shurfield for disciplinary reasons. This game was absolutely insane. Debo Samuel, though, nine catches, 189, and a touchdown. A lot of that came on a blown coverage and a, a oopsies YOLO pass from Jimmy Garoppolo that was caught and run to the end zone. I don't expect these kind of numbers from Debo maybe ever again uh, as far as the length, the, the breadth of the yardage, but the usage was there. Nine catches and all those targets was huge. Um, Elijah Mitchell, 19 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. A lot of that came on a big run as well, which anybody in the 49ers offense can get. TJ Hawkinson, the lone lion, to get it done in the passing game, eight catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. And DeAndre Swift was questionable coming in all week, comes in healthy, played really well. And my boy Jamal Williams also outpaced him in standard and half PPR leagues, so he got it done as well. So there's a lot in this game, actually. 41-33, Niners get the dub.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think obviously the key takeaway here is that 49ers backfield and what we're looking for moving forward. And, you know, as a 49ers fan yourself, curious where you stand on this about uh, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Trey Sermon, do you stash to Michael Hasty? I'll I'll give you my take. I mean, we were, we're in a league together. And I think we uh, actually both put in the same exact waiver bid for uh, Elijah Mitchell. Neither of us got him. I think he went for, like two thirds of our fab, our year-long fab. Um, I'm clearly, I didn't, I didn't get them, but haven't got them in any waivers yet. Um, I think it's a little bit high of a, too high of a price for me. Um, Sermon was a was a scratch, healthy scratch, mostly because most of it was presumed healthy, going to be the starter, taking pretty much all the rushing work from what I think the expectations from Kyle Shanahan were, um, and. The reason why that, that Mitchell and Hasty were active were, were because of their special teams usage um, that Sermon just doesn't have. I think with Mostert now out, at worst, Sermon and, and Mitchell are splitting carries. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're talking about, you know, are we, we're in like what we expected a single Terry Moss uh, situation to look like just on a much better rushing offense.
0: Yeah. It, I'm going to go through the fabs really quick. I, I noted this uh, earlier because I was interested in what Elijah Mitchell would go for week one in fab budgets, right? Now in one league, I have him, he went for 48%. Now, if you're, if you're using a hundred dollars and you started with, then it, it's $48, but if you use 200, right, it'd be double, whatever. 48% is what he actually went with, but here's the other bids in the league. 48, 32, 31, 31, 27, 26. In another league, he went for 51. 48 wasn't enough in that league, 33, 33, and 8. So he was basically half of people's fab that actually ended up getting him. And look, I, I understand how fab goes. And if you lose Mostert or somebody else, like you want that running back. As a 49er fan, I know very well that it could be Jamichael Hasty that goes for 20 carries next week. They picked up on Johnson carry on Johnson. They picked up to take, to be on the practice squad, but he's going to make the roster eventually because they need bodies. Trey sermon was a healthy scratch, but they have to use him now. And don't forget in five weeks, we probably get Jeff Wilson back. Who's the most talented out of all these guys. In my opinion, even Trey sermon with the draft capital, Jeff Wilson just proved it over his years and a touchdown monster with the Niners. They trust him. So I put in my bids to Elijah Mitchell too, because you have to, but I made up in my mind. I was like, you know what? It's week one. It's early. This is not a guy that's going to make or break. Last year, when Christian McCaffrey went down and everyone went nuts on Mike Davis, that's because you get Mike Davis every every snap, every uh, rush opportunity, because that's how the Panthers run offense. The Niners don't run their offense like that. So even though Elijah Mitchell might be the 1A, there's a 1B, C, and D right behind him. So I'm really nervous that he might be not a one-week wonder, because I think he's going to be good for a while. But if he doesn't have a big run, I'm not sure the volume will be there because that's just not how they run their offense. So if you run waivers tonight, Wednesday, and you want to try again, those are some numbers that you're looking at. You're going to have to be over 40, over maybe 50 if you actually need or want Elijah Mitchell. I put mine at about 25, 30 because I was like, if I I get him at that, cool, it's quite a bit, but cool, 50 is going to be too much.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Is I when I first my first couple leagues that ran, I was about the twenty five, maybe up to thirty three percent of my fab budget. There's a couple leagues still that have to run tonight. I might go up to like literally a dollar over that halfway mark just yeah. to have at least some Elijah Mitchell shares yeah. in case I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know that's the the cost that I'm willing to spend for him.
0: Absolutely, and again with Fab. If you're not familiar with Fab, free agent acquisition budget, F A A B. You basically get an auction. You get, you know, fake wallet, if you will, in your league. You get a hundred bucks in most leagues. Sometimes it's two hundred. Sometimes it's a thousand. Doesn't matter. It's all relative. And you put a, a a price in on the player to try to outbid the rest of your league. If you're in regular waivers and you didn't have the number one or two priority, you just didn't get them. Period. If you're in Fab, you have more of an opportunity. That's why I always recommend you do Fab because it makes it a little more even and gives you more, um, control over how you do that. Okay. Let's move on here to the Cardinals and the Titans, man, you know, you and I were bringing up the one thing that we thought about this week. You mentioned your Eagles and I mentioned the, the Packers, yo, this game, I, I'm not shocked that the Cardinals won the game. Cause I think they're much improved, obviously. And Kyler Murray is just phenomenal, but that defense was amazing. The Titans, didn't even show up dude like this is like how the Packers played right I mean the Titans are supposed to play for the AFC title basically and yikes both the Packers and the Titans have some serious work to do both of them coming in as I think at least low-level Super Bowl contenders and neither one of them showed up Cardinals to their benefit huge win against the Titans 38-13 Kyler Murray over 300 yards passing And uh, running total, he had five touchdowns, four in the air, one on the ground. DeAndre Hopkins, six receptions, 83 yards, and two touchdowns. Christian Kirk, five receptions, 70 yards, and two touchdowns. Derrick Henry, nine rushing yards in the first half. Got absolutely schooled. And Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry. But we have seen, and I mentioned this coming down the stretch, while I had him at my running back number six um, was because the Ravens, Last year in the playoffs, held him like 40 yards on a game. The Cardinals, right, held him and held him and held him. I know we can break a 97-yard run. He does it to everybody. But if you stack the box and make Tannehill beat you with the new wide receiver and Julio Jones, Anthony Furcher, what's going to happen, right, kind of a new offensive flow, and they weren't ready to go. And Chandler Jones, five sacks in this game. J.J. Watt now on the squad. I mean, the Cardinals showed up and really impressed here the, the titans are in trouble in my opinion because the cardinals are a good team but this should have been 38 35 not 38 13
1: yeah i mean this is almost a, a similar situation to the eagles uh falcons game just with uh what i think is a higher level and, and more talented teams where this is not the game that i expected it to be uh i expected it I, like you said the cardinals to win but not like this um and so the question is are are, should we be this worried about the Titans' offense, like we are with Atlanta, um, or is this just more about the Cardinals' defense? You mentioned Chandler Jones and JJ Watt. I mean, who's not who's going to have an easy time running against that defensive line? Right. So, yeah, I mean, Derek Henry. There's a, a lot of usage questions. He's been used a lot. Does he still, you know, have the uh, longevity to sustain that usage this throughout this upcoming season? If people do stack the box and make Tannehill beat him, how's Henry going to be good? But um not too worried uh you know if you want to to buy Derrick Henry after this performance I, I think that's very fair um if the henry owners willing to sell him i'm not too worried i think it speaks more to the cardinals defense and you know what they were able to do to a what is supposed to be a prolific titans offense
0: yeah and kyler murray is just unguardable but this yeah. is uh, this is alarming if i'm a titans fan because of the defense last year yeah. we we know you can't get past the bills with frequency, you can't get past the Steelers, the Browns, the Ravens on a good day. You can't get past the Chiefs, obviously, without a formidable defense. And it doesn't matter how efficient or dominant that offense could be for the Titans. If you're giving up four scores, five scores a game, they don't have the offense to compete with that. That's, that's where I'm concerned if I'm a Titans fan. The Cardinals, yo, <laughs> we, we thought they were kind of like the guaranteed number four in the NFC West. Yikes. I don't know, man. Anybody in that <laughs> division at this point, can do, every, all four teams they were undefeated performance yeah. and a great divisional matchup. Also, yeah. another rookie mention here real quick, Rondale Moore, rookie out of Purdue. Same target share as Christian Kirk, just didn't have the touchdown. So I love that. Great waiver pickup. Most likely managed in dynasty leagues already, but uh, in, yeah. in redraft, worth a stash if you have a free spot opening up from IR. Okay, two more, and then we're going to take a quick break here. Let's go into the Seahawks and the Colts. Seahawks get a big win here, 28-16. Ho-hum for the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, 254, four touchdowns, just incredibly efficient. Once again, Tyler Lockett, just four catches, but very Tyler Lockett, 100 yards and two touchdowns. I know I've been a DK guy all summer. I think he's going to be fine moving forward. He got a touchdown too. But you've been the, the Tyler Lockett guy in every draft we were in. You would wait, 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 Tyler Lockett in the fifth, Tyler Lockett in the sixth, and he was arguably your best player this week in the wide receiver position. Jonathan Taylor, 116 total yards. You like to see that. Naheem Hines, also very uh, involved as well. And Zach Paschal, not Michael, uh, Michael Pittman, four catches, 43 yards, and two touchdowns there from Carson Wentz. So Seahawks get it done. No real surprise. I think it's going to take a while for Carson Wentz and the Colts to be who we think the Colts can be, which is a low-level playoff team. Um, That defense, again, kind of disappointed. But look, man, Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson. And when the Seahawks are cooking, Carson or uh, uh, Chris Carson had a huge run uh, as well on a a third and short, and he busted through for about 30 yards. So they're going to be dominant. Like I said, DK gets a touchdown as well. Um, This just... Kind of how it goes with the Seahawks and the Colts. I mean, do you expect better things moving forward here as Carson Wentz gets going? Or are the Colts kind of just not on the same level without Phillip Rivers?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's hard to say that the Colts aren't on the same level without Phillip Rivers. I mean, as much as uh as much of a prolific career that he had, he obviously was not his his peak, you know, at his peak performance with the Colts, which Carson Wentz could and, and should be, um, or at least close to it. Um, I think the one interesting thing was, was how involved the running backs were with the Colts, right? You know, look back to when Carson Wentz was with the Eagles, and I was pleading to him to check it down to the open man and just seemed to love to launch it deep. And that was almost the opposite of what we saw um, this week with, with the Colts. Uh, 41 opportunities, you know, carries and, and targets for both Jonathan Taylor and Hines combined. Comparing that to Pascal, who, who did score the two touchdowns, and, and Pittman, who we expect to be uh, the one, um, only nine total targets. Um, so pretty interesting to see that potential change from Wentz becoming a little bit more of uh, a smart quarterback, I'll say. Um, but, you know, something to, interesting to watch moving forward to see how that offense runs with Wentz at the home.
0: I agree, man, and and again, I with that division. Yes, the Texans, who we're going to get to in a second, played well this week. But the Texans and the Jags are in that division, so yeah. the Colts will have a couple get right games. And I, I still do think they'll be a playoff team eventually. Get Quentin Nelson, you know, hundred percent, and get that defense back to it, and Carson Wentz ready to go. I think they'll be fine. But look again, Seahawks. You know that you had the Bills and the Steelers. You had the Titans and the Cardinals. You had the Seahawks and the Colts. Um, some great, legitimately comparative team the Browns and the and the the uh the Chiefs right the Chargers and Washington I think are similar teams we'll talk about next you had a lot of comparable matchups this week and one team has to win one team has to lose I wouldn't be too stoked on any team that wins or bummed on teams that lose but um the Colts I think need to need to crank it up if they're going to make it to the AFC okay one more and then we'll take a quick break here man Chargers and Washington football team Chargers get the win my boy Herb's goes all the way across the country, surprised me, actually, because I had kind of continuously said I was concerned about them going all the way across country from L.A. all the way to D.C., and a lot of times West Coast teams traveling East Coast, especially early in the season, it's definitely home field advantage extra for the East Coast team. Chargers got it done here 20-16 to 16 over the Washington football team. Of course, unfortunately, we lose Ryan Fitzpatrick, who a lot of people were excited about, not only for fantasy but he's just a good energy to have, right? The beard, the fits magic, the the aura he brings, the the genuine childlike excitement he brings to football. I think is fun. And unfortunately, he blows out his hip. Um, could you know seems to be out a few weeks. Could be season ending uh, for him. Unfortunately, with his age and recovery. So wish him the best, Tyler Heineke Moving forward, Keenan Allen nine receptions, one hundred yards. That's a <laughs> Regular day at the office for Keenan Allen. Justin Herbert, 337 and a touchdown. Antonio Gibson, 108 total yards. Looked good. He had a great 30-yard run. Austin Eckler, no receptions, but he did have a goal line carry that he scored on and seven red zone carries. We love that. And not a huge day necessarily, but I want to just throw some light on Terry McLaurin, who had one of the best catches I've ever seen, definitely of week one, if you haven't seen it yet, down the sideline where he literally – like does a back misty flip in the air and catches it going out of bounds. That was from Taylor Heineke, by the way, not Ryan Fitzpatrick who threw that ball. So I think he's going to be fine moving forward as well. Both these teams are going to be solid throughout the season with health. I think Taylor Heineke is not that much of a step down from Fitzpatrick at this point. Washington should be fine, but how do you feel about the chargers? Oh, and I didn't even mention Mike Williams, huge day, two touchdowns. That's my man. I was drafting him late. Uh, Once he's healthy, you got to play him there. So Lot to lot to bring away here from the Chargers and Washington game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of the uh, Chargers' wide receivers, the other one I wanted to highlight was was Jalen Guyton. Um, you know, coming into the season, if Mike Williams were to ever get hurt, uh, you know, who's the the third guy here in this offense? Is it Jared Cook at the tight end, uh, or you know, even uh, Parnham at the tight end? Is it um, Guyton? Is it Josh Palmer? Um, but Guyton had a sixty five percent snap share, which was Third, right behind, obviously, Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams. But, you know, the drop-off after him was pretty significant in terms of pass catchers uh, for this offense. Um, didn't get the targets necessarily, obviously, that, that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams did. Um, but, A, something that could change uh, moving forward. Um, but also, if Mike Williams or Keenan Allen were to ever get hurt, I think Dayton's a good guy to keep on your radar as, you know, stepping into that eventual uh you know, in a dire situation with injuries, wide receiver two role for, for Herbert and the Chargers.
0: I agree. I was just looking up uh, Logan Thomas here as well. I wanted to make sure I got his game log correct here. Just three catches for 30 yards, but did have the touchdown. So again, that quintessential <laughs> tight end line, three for 30, four for 40, five for 50. The difference with tight ends, if you're not up at the top, it's that touchdown Logan Thomas got it, and he's going to be a premier option, especially with Curtis Samuel continually out. Okay, Jordan, quick water break. Shouts out to Jersey Jungle, and we'll come back for the other half. I want to give a massive shout-out to our good friends at the Jersey Jungle here. If you're new to the TCK pod or the Fantasy Focus Network, we have a great partnership with the Jersey Jungle. These are authentic jerseys. You can see them behind me. I've got Alvin Kamara and uh, Nikki Chubb up this week here. Jersey Jungle, they handle their business through Instagram. At the Jersey Jungle, make sure you give them a follow. Check out their stories. They've just posted three new posts this week of throwback football jerseys, right? Like Bruce Smith from the Bills, Ladanian Tomlinson. Uh, uh, you have uh, uh, Allen, right, from the, the Raiders and, and the Chiefs, Bo Jackson in the mix as well. Go check out some of the jerseys there at the Jersey Jungle. Of course, they have new jerseys, rookie jerseys. They also do all sports, not just football, baseball, hockey, basketball, soccer. If you're into that, home and away, custom. They also do camo jerseys. I mean, they got it all. They have shorts. They do hats. They got shirts. Whatever you need at the Jersey Jungle, they got you covered for all of your football and sports memorabilia. Go to Instagram. Use the promo code TCK at the jersey jungle get 10 off of one or two jerseys 15 off of three jerseys and these jerseys are already half off what you're going to get at nfl.com so you're getting 10 to 15 off of about 60 bucks you can get three jerseys for what it would cost for one on nfl.com they're authentic stitch and twill high quality jerseys go check them out today give them a follow hit up my man trenton at the jersey jungle on instagram Okay, let's get into the second half of these games here. Jets and Panthers, revenge games all over the place here. Panthers get the win, 1914. Again, not ugly, or not pretty, I should say. Uh, A bit ugly, but two teams, um, you know, realistically, probably not looking at playoff uh, hopes, but looking to just bounce back, get a stable foundation, new quarterbacks, you know, new coaching trees all over the place, trying to get that um, foundation moving forward here. I thought it was a decent game for the, the skill level of these squads. Panthers get a big win, though. Start on a, a positive note here. Christian McCaffrey, 30 touches. No surprise there. 189 total yards. Didn't score a touchdown. And he's the number one running back in fantasy football for week one. Corey Davis, massive pickup. We've all been repping him. Big breakout candidate across the industry. Five catches, 97 yards, two touchdowns. And DJ Moore, six catches, 80 yards. But again, doesn't have the touchdown Robbie Anderson one target I don't like that at all it was a 50 plus yard bomb for a touchdown but I need the consistency from him and you know on the other side I mean there's just what are we gonna do in the backfield for the Jets right Jamison Crowder was out does that affect uh, Elijah Moore and Corey Davis coming back in and Zach Wilson I thought looked okay outside of some rookie jitters and Sam Darnold did as well. So two young teams getting after it here. I thought it was a decent game, but obviously some, uh, some cleaning up to do for the Jets and Panthers.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hit my biggest takeaway right on the head was, was Robbie Anderson, uh, out-targeted by Terrence Marshall Jr., um, didn't seem to be very involved. And, you know, obviously CMC being back and taking away a lot of targets from this offense seemed to almost be all Robbie Anderson's targets from last year. It is one week. Um, so obviously have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. They, you know, were up early. And so, you know, even though it was 1914, really feel too close uh, in terms of if you're actually watching the game. But, you know, for the most part, that's something that moving forward have to be wary of if you, are able to sell Robbie Anderson a little high because someone looks at his line and goes oh, 57 yards and a touchdown doesn't look at the receptions um, or just looks at the total points, um, you know, something that could be worth a at least a trade offer.
0: Absolutely. And then especially if they see like Sunday night football highlights or Monday night football highlights and you see that deep bomb, a lot of times that's something that people look at, not the, uh, Not the actual stream. Uh, Jordan, just a heads up. We got a little bit of glitch there on your side with um, internet. So just want to give you a heads up just in case that's a quick fix. Okay, let's move on here to the Texans and the Jaguars. Obviously, the game of the week here with two uh, massive teams trying to get off the schneid, prove themselves. The Texans basically picked by everybody to go 0-17 and be the worst team in the league. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, a lot of hopes now, of course, with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer and the rest of the squad. So they come in, and the Texans (laughs) bring the hammer. The difference here was that the Jags are a team built for five years from now. A lot of young talent, a lot of great potential, but new and raw to the NFL. The Texans are built for week one. (laughs) They have a lot of of veterans, a lot of old-school guys, and they basically had the old man beat up on the kids, essentially, is what it was. They get the W, 37 21, Texans get the surprise victory, I think, here. Terod Taylor played well. The rest of the squad doing well. Brandon Cooks, five catches, 132. Mark Ingram, the ghost of Mark Ingram, who I thought was going to get cut for the last two months. 26 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown seems to be the number one running back, although David Johnson and Phillip Lindsey were also involved. Trevor Lawrence, 332 and three in his debut, but had the three rookie Interceptions against a not great defense. We'll see about them moving forward. Biggest concern in this game, we had LaVisca Chanel, Marvin Jones, and DJ Chark all getting quite a bit of work. DJ Chark, 12 targets, but just three catches. I don't like that efficiency there, but all those guys are going to be fine. Obviously, in my opinion, the big concern here or question mark is going to be James Robinson. Carlos Hyde gets all the work. James Robinson, five carries, three targets. Obviously, not the number one here. Carlos Hyde. Urban Meyer's guy dating back to Ohio state and clearly the relationships mean everything. James Robinson was a big concern for me in this one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, talking to about the text. I mean, I don't know if this is more about the Texans and their offense and how it could look moving forward, or it's more about how bad the Jaguars are. Like you mentioned that their offense is one that was built for week built for week one. It's, it's an offense that was built for week one against the Jets, Like, <laughs> they play the Cardinals. They play, uh, you know, someone else. Like, I don't think they do this. So potential sell high, sell high moment for Tyrod Taylor um, or Brandon Cooks. Um, and same thing with Mark Ingram. I mean, he only averaged 3.3 a carry, just had a ton of carries where the, in a game where the Texans were just running away with it. He's averaging 3.3 a, you know, a carry and only getting 10 carries. Had no targets in this game. Uh, you know, you're gonna be pretty disappointed starting someone who a running back who starts with or finishes with 33 yards and no touchdowns in a in a game when the Texans are playing a a more formidable defense.
0: Right. I totally agree. And I don't expect much out of either of these teams moving forward, but it was fun to get these guys off the board here in Texans with a big win, man. That's that's awesome for the locker room. Okay. This one is uh man, again, interesting here. Browns Chiefs, excellent game. Once again, Browns build a big lead in the first half. Mahomes is Mahomes, comes back, and they get the W, 33-29. The Chiefs get the best of the Browns. Basically the same game we saw in the playoffs last year. Um, Tyree Kill, 11 catches, 197 and a touchdown. No surprise there. Mahomes, 337 and three. Travis Kelsey, six for 76 and two touchdowns. Nick Chubb, 101 total yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Baker Mayfield looked good. Kareem Hunt got some work as well. These are two incredible teams. Not much to look forward to moving forward for these guys necessarily. We know they're going to be great teams, but was there one key takeaway other than the Browns not being able to close
1: it out again? No, I mean, for the most part, I mean, these offenses look, look great. I mean, it's kind of what we expected coming in. Uh, the one takeaway, obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. not playing, already uh, has been ruled out for Sunday's game as well, um, which, is, which is odd to me. I mean, he was questionable, was a game-time decision for this Chiefs game, and now he's already being ruled out half a week, if not more in advance of, of this next you know week two matchup is a bit concerning. If you do have Odell, obviously take him out of your lineup. But uh, again, you're just playing a waiting game with Odell where, you know, what does the Browns l- offense look like once he's, he's back and healthy.
0: Yep. And we'll see, man, Jarvis Landry getting it done. And of course they have uh, a, a ton of tight ends, including David and Joku who had a yep. decent couple grabs in this one as well. All right, moving on here, Dolphins, Patriots, Big-time rivalry here, of course, the new regime with the Patriots and Mac Jones and not Cam Newton, and then Tua trying to bounce back this year as well. These coaching staffs know each other because they're all kind of from the Belichick tree. It's a very good game here. The Dolphins get a big win here, 17-16. Damian Harris, 117 total yards and 25 total touches. Love the workload. Unfortunately, he fumbled in this game. We'll see how that affects him next week. Jalen Waddle, another rookie wide receiver coming in from Alabama, four catches, 61 yards and a touchdown. Looks very good. And Nelson Aguilar, five catches, 72 yards and a touchdown. Jacoby Myers got some work as well. Big takeaways here from the Patriots Dolphins game.
1: Yeah, I mean, first thing is you you mentioned the uh Jalen Waddle. Uh to remember that Will Fuller is now coming back off of his suspension, adding him into the mix of this Dolphins offense does is it taking away from Uh, the current pieces, is he going to slot in as that one, as a two, you know, where does he fit into this offense moving forward? Um, but also on the Patriots side of the ball, I mean, uh, Mac Jones looked pretty good in his debut. Obviously you mentioned Aguilar's stat line, um, Jacoby Myers as well. I think had a little bit less of a target share than Aguilar did. Um, so in terms of what I'm expecting from Aguilar, I'm, I'm kind of expecting a similar season to what he had, um, with the Raiders last year.
0: Nice. And I think there's a lot of a lot more options in this in these uh teams as well. And Mac Jones looked looked quite good. Yeah. Um, we know that he's not gonna be airing it out. That's not the offense, but he looked composed, not gonna make a lot of mistakes, and that's what they wanted from the Patriots. So two also impressing as well. Okay, let's move on to the Packers and Saints. This game is kind of a throw out here. We do need to recap it, but Kind of a throwout. I mean, like, again, the Packers just played horrendously. The Saints came out, punched them in the mouth, and the game was over before it started. Jameis Winston, 148, 148. Jameis usually has 150 per quarter, 148 for the entire game, but five touchdowns. Obviously, that efficiency is going to completely change. Aaron Rodgers, just 133 and two picks. One of them was uh oopsies bobble from Devontae Adams returned about 60 yards, flipped the game. It was 17-3 at that point. Could have been 17-10, and, and you could have been a game. Saints take it back halfway, score again, and it was a route from there. Excuse me. I just bumped my microphone. If I have any bad audio, let me know. Um, and then uh, Jawan Johnson has three catches, 21 yards, but got the two touchdowns there. You did have Adam Troutman play, but Jawan Johnson was the one getting him. Devontae Adams, 56 yards. Obviously, a lot of that had to do with Aaron Rodgers. One of them was a great over-the-shoulder catch, though. And then Alvin Kamara, 23 total touches, 91 total yards, and a touchdown. He'll be fine. They got Tony Jones involved as well because they'll keep Kamara safe there. Marcus Callaway wasn't very involved um, in this one. That was kind of concerning to me. Robert Tunyon either. But again, for the Packers, I'm throwing it out. For the Saints, great game. But can they keep it up moving forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Packers start out. I'm not too worried about that offense. I think they'll be fine, uh, especially with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't know if it's because he missed camp, uh, all the drama of, of holding out and trade talks and all that. I don't know. Um, but I, I think their offense will be fine. I even saw a joke. Obviously, the Buccaneers lost 38 to three last year against the Saints. So maybe uh, maybe that's the game that Rodgers is playing. Yeah. Um, in terms of takeaways from the Saints' offense, uh, you mentioned Juwan Johnson and Adam Troutman. Uh, Adam Troutman did actually out out target Juwan Johnson almost two or exactly two to one, uh, six targets to Juwan Johnson's three. Juwan Johnson just happened to find the end zone twice. Um, is that Winston's preferred target in the end zone, or did he just happen to get you know the targets in the in the end zone? That's we'll find out. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the, the yardage and the touchdown efficiency from Winston. Um, w- the thing that we do have to remember is he's not in Bruce Arians' offense anymore. So I don't think we can expect those uh, 400, 430-yard games with, you know, six picks and six touchdowns. But um, it's going to be a, a different Jameis Winston where, yeah, he'll, he'll most games probably have a low to mid, mid-high 200 yards, maybe two, three touchdowns. but almost more of that game manager role within that Saints offense, kind of like Drew Brees was uh, towards the end of his career, rather than, you know, a, a quarterback that's going to air it out. Marquez Calloway obviously gets, you know, shut down by J.J. Alexander, who doesn't. Um, so not too worried there in terms of hitting a panic button in week one, uh, but want to monitor it going forward, obviously.
0: Yep. Great game for the Saints. Packers, I think, will be fine moving forward again. They get the Lions, On Monday Night Football, it's primetime. It's Rodgers. I would not be shocked if he turns it into 404. I'm serious. Devontae Adams is going to have 15 targets in this game. I'm not worried about it at all. It's a buy-low window on the Packers. If you don't get it in this week, it'll be too late. All right, three more games here. we got the Broncos and the Giants wrapping up the Sunday early slates here. Uh, And... Broncos get a big win here. Not surprising. I just didn't believe in the Giants. I still don't. Broncos much improved from last year. Teddy B seems to be good enough uh, for those guys. 27-13, Broncos get the W. Jerry Judy, six catches, 72 yards, injured. Going to be out at least six weeks, unfortunately, with a high ankle sprain. I'm concerned about him coming back also because we see this often. A receiver gets this kind of an injury, and it might take him week seven, week eight, week nine to get 100%. This is tough. If you could put him on IR, do it. If you don't have an IR spot, unfortunately, I personally would just drop Jerry Judy and then try to pick him up in week five or six when people forget about him. But it's a really sad situation. He was going to dominate another big breakout candidate for everybody. Looked awesome and uh, just unfortunate. Sterling Shepard, seven catches, 113 yards and a touchdown for the Giants. Melvin Gordon, 13 carries, 101 yards and a touchdown. A lot of that came on a 70-yard touchdown at the end of the game. So, I want to break this down. I never say, well, I say it all the time. I never actually think you can't count the 70 yard touchdown, right? A lot of people say that take that out and blah, blah, blah. It mattered. He scored a 70 yard touchdown. He has the ability to do that. Fine. It inflated his stats. But what I do to get a more realistic approach on it is I just take everything other than that run, right? So, I'm going to take 10 carries and 31 yards before that 70 yard touchdown. 10 for 31, 3.1 yards per carry not buying it, right? Uh, you had Javante Williams, who actually had 50% of the snaps there as well and out, actually out-carried uh, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon happened to hit the seam, happened to outrun guys and scored a touchdown. If Javante Williams scored this touchdown, every it, fantasy would be going insane. Melvin Gordon would be dropped, right? So like, let's just keep this into perspective here. He did get the win on that move, but just if you can get rid of Melvin Gordon right now, I would absolutely 100% do that. Um, and again, Saquon Barkley, really the highlight of this game, but not surprising to anybody that he was on a pitch count.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not surprising there. They obviously have the game tomorrow night against Washington. Um, so wanted to probably keep him uh, limited for that quick time this week in this incoming injury, but I also expect them to be uh, not as efficient in this upcoming week again against another good defense in Washington. Um, so it could be a potential buy low for Saquon if you do have a decent running back depth, maybe do offer a two for one after this week against Washington for the Saquon managers. It's going to be frustrated depending on when you drafted. If he spent a sixth to uh, you know, maybe even early round second pick on Saquon Barkley, is going to have frustrating first Who might be looking to move.
0: Absolutely. And we just saw Washington football team really um, corral at least um, Austin Eckler. So if Saquon Barkley is, is not Saquon Barkley and look, he might be too. He could come out Thursday and blow up and then fine. But if he has another, you know, 80% Saquon, at least that's going to be a bigger buy window as well. Okay. Bears Rams Sunday night football. Excellent game here. You had the bears come out with Andy Dalton. Obviously they just didn't want to feed Justin Fields to the wolves, which was smart, but that's over now. They should go fields. Obviously bears and Rams. Rams take it to him 34-14, Matt Stafford, two, excuse me, 321 and three touchdowns, two of those absolute nukes, um, Devan Jefferson and Cooper Cup wide open, Cooper Cup seven catches, 108 yards and that long touchdown, David Montgomery, one of the most impressive performances from running back of anybody this weekend, in my opinion, 16 carries 108 yards and a touchdown, which isn't incredible, but doing it against the Rams with a not great offense in the Bears. Very, very impressive for David Montgomery, in my opinion. Darrell Henderson leading the ground, 70 yards and a touchdown, but whatever. Sonny Michelle not a factor, not a surprise there. Robert Woods caught a uh, you know, tippy-toe touchdown, but not a big factor there either. Allen Robinson, 12 targets, but not a lot to do. And Darnell Mooney, plenty uh, targeted as well as Cole Komet. So a lot of fantasy relevance in this game, but the Rams just outmatched the Bears, no surprise here.
1: Yeah, again, what we expected. I, I think you mentioned the the fields. I'm hoping fields come soon. I know we're we're in a, a super flex guillotine league where I do not have a second quarterback except for fields. <laughs> it's getting really dangerous. I got outbid on on Josh Allen and uh, Baker Mayfield this week after they got dropped. Uh, so I'm I'm playing with fire. So really hoping fields starts uh, soon. Here's my second QB for that league. But I mean, outside of that, a couple of things to look for moving forward is. What does Sonny Michelle, you know, what does his involvement in this offense look like? They obviously signed him uh, partially for depth. Um, they've never had Henderson be that lead back for long term. And as Sonny Michelle gets more acclimated to the offense, understands the playbook better, how do, you know, Sean McVay and the Rams start to fold him into this offense? Does that chip away at all that? Uh, Henderson's usage and efficiency. Um, and from the bear side, yeah, I mean, David Montgomery looked, looked absolutely fantastic.
0: He did. He did. He looked explosive. Catches out of the backfield. We saw. You know, Matt Nagy came out early in the season saying that he wanted to give him twenty plus touches per game. And if that's going to be consistent, David Montgomery's could absolutely be where he was last year. A lot of people thought it was a fluke, and uh, he came out week one against a great defense and, and did the same thing there. Okay, last game: Ravens and Raiders. Uh, one of the better finishes to a game. I, I, w- I say better because it was exciting. It was bad (laughs) performance-wise. It was picks in the end zone. It was fumbles inside the red zone. It was back and forth, and then they go to overtime, whatever. So actually, performance-wise, it was terrible. Excitement-wise, it was very exciting here. Ravens and Raiders going into overtime. Raiders get the upset over the Ravens, 33-27, 19 targets. 19 targets for Darren Waller. 10 catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Two touchdowns for Josh Jacobs. But, folks, as I was mentioning all offseason, the touchdowns do not surprise me. He may end up with 10 or 12 touchdowns, but he had three yards per carry. Otherwise, the efficiency is not there. And for when he was used, Kenyon Drake looked just fine out of the backfield uh, in the past game as well. So I'm still not buying Josh Jacobs. If you can get rid of Josh Jacobs and Melvin Gordon, I would do that immediately, personally. Hunter Renfro, nine targets as well. Nobody really talked about Hunter Renfro in the offseason. It was all about Henry Ruggs and uh Edwards, and of course, the, the running backs and Darren Waller. Hunter Renfro, nine targets, got it done there. Lamar Jackson, 235 and a touchdown, 86 yards on the ground, but looked very skittish in the pocket, connected on a couple of good passes, uh, but unfortunately, just not able to get it done late. Costly fumble, obviously, turned the game over there. And then you had um, Tyson Williams, 65 in a score, four targets, three receptions, 29 yards. Latavius Murray also picked up last minute and gets a touchdown Them for them last minute there. Mark Andrews, kind of a non-factor in this one, as, as well as Hollywood Brown, but he did have that early touchdown. So, man, Raiders impressed. Um, we saw them beat the Chiefs last year. They can hang with anybody any given week, but I don't expect the consistency. And the Ravens, uh, you know, bad first impression. They look sloppy. But I think the Ravens will be just fine moving forward.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, it was impressive to see the Ravens pick up. I, they did lose the game, obviously, uh, probably should have won it, but uh, look, look fine in terms of their offense for having lost their top three backs and having to you know roll with the undrafted rookie and Tyson Williams, a newly signed free agent Latavius Murray. Their offense looked cohesive especially on the ground as you know they have in years past. And so moving forward, I'm, I'm optimistic for Tyson Williams. Uh, Latavius Murray in a flex uh, if you need or a pinch as a running back as well. Obviously, Lamar is going to be Lamar, um, but I, I think moving forward, I wouldn't be too worried about the um, offensive options for the for the Ravens in fantasy. Um, for Oakland Raiders, I mean, I, what do you do with that wide receiver room? I mean, yeah, you mentioned that Renfro had nine targets and the uh, largest target share of all the wide receivers, but I mean, that offense runs through Dale, Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs, essentially. Mm-hmm. If, if they're passing it, it's going to be Darren Waller. If they're running it. It's probably going to be Josh Jacobs, maybe a little Kenyon Drake sprinkled in. Um, but, I mean, they did seem to target Brian Edwards late, which was interesting. I mean, they did well targeting Brian Edwards late, but just didn't early on in the game. And so if I'm going to be stashing one of those deep threat, uh, you know, out wide wide receivers, not Renfro, um, cause I think they have a higher upside than Renfro does. I mean, he's going to be a safe floor PPR, but, um, in terms of someone who could potentially break out later in the season, or even in, you know, weeks two and three, I think I'd prioritize Edwards over rugs.
0: Edwards didn't have a target till the fourth quarter. And then they gave him basically
1: three passes in a row or so. I mean, it was
0: silly. And yes, Henry rugs has the big ability. He caught a huge pass, set up a score. That was great, but that's kind of his game. Edwards, in my opinion, is the guy. I've been saying that for two years and obviously Waller and we'll see what happens. But Vegas, in my opinion, needs to focus on Edwards, take off some heat from Waller because he's obviously dominant, but getting double coverage now. And uh, Derek Carr, man, constantly impressive. He just has had no help on defense, very little weapons in his entire career, shoddy offensive line. But as an individual, Derek Carr gets it done more often than not. All right, Jordan, that wraps up week one with the game recaps what to look for for each game coming into week two. Very excited, man. We're off the schneid here. We're ready to go. Um, Got some fantasy W's, had some tough defeats. We had some injuries, but we had some guys explode on your bench that you can look at moving forward. Hope everybody did well on your waiver wires. And if you're going waiver wires tonight, Wednesday as well, make sure you keep another lookout for Elijah Mitchell, but know that you're going to be spending upwards of 40 to 50% of your fab. And to be perfectly honest, I think that might be a little too much for somebody who may not be the 100% guy, but I'll let you run your own squads. Make sure again to follow the TCK pod and the Fantasy Focus crew on all streaming platforms. Subscribe right here to the YouTube channel if you have not. Appreciate everybody jumping into the comment section today. Follow the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Networks. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, leave us a five-star rating and review if you think we deserve it. We much appreciate it. And of course, follow Jordan and I on Twitter. My name is at Sky Guasco and then at J Della Valley with an E, not a Y, seven on Twitter as well. Buck and Bob coming up next to break down. Everything from week one and look ahead at week two. Wishing y'all the best. We'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. This episode and all episodes of the TCK Pod have been brought to you by Bet Online and Play Action Pools. Go check them out in the description below. And we'll catch you next time for my man, Jordan Della Valley. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here.